was going to be. Hence the rocking of the Game of Thrones look here. Uh, And also, I cannot shave for two weeks. So, so I'm also looking a bit rough uh, in that way. I tell you what, though, uh, Linda hates beards. And so this is the best, best birth control that you can have. Anyway, um, <clears throat> did, I, did I really say that out loud? Okay, jolly good. <laughs> uh, Easter, Easter's coming. Uh, it's coming next weekend. We've got a Good Friday service here with Urban Village. They're going to come and join us. Come and uh, be with us then, 11 o'clock. Uh, Easter egg hunt. We do a big community Easter egg hunt. Loads of people from the community come here. So if you're around on the Saturday, 11 o'clock, you don't have to hunt eggs. You, you don't even have to have kids. Just come along and mix with our neighbors and our community. Next Sunday, we're going to be having an uh, Easter Sunday service. And behind that screen, there's a baptismal tank. And it's going to be filled. So I want, uh, there's some of you here I know who have been walking with the Lord and you're not sure whether you want to take that step, that next step of following him into baptism, then that's you and I'm talking to you. And so come and see me afterwards. Uh, Or you know what, if you want to leave it to the last minute, just come next Sunday and uh, we'll have that open, and hopefully there's going to be a few of us here that, that will want to be baptized next week. So be praying for that uh, as we go through the week. Fabulous. Okay, shall we get going? There we are. They say that variety is the spice of life. If that is the case, we are going to have a very spicy time here this morning at City View, almost an 8.7 on the Lalpy scale. Because this morning, we're going to be all over the place in a good way. We're going to have lots of different things planned. A smogger's board of theological lessons and activities. There will be something for everyone here this morning which is great because we have everyone here this morning. We have the youngest and the oldest. So kids, we're so thankful that you can join us uh, in the service today. And so there's going to be lots of things going on. And we need to start with a couple of real-life illustrations. Our word for the year at City View, if you're visiting us today, is grow. We want to grow closer to Jesus this year. We want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to grow in our spiritual lives. And so what we've said is that each Sunday we want to illustrate that word grow by growing things physically. And uh, for example, we are growing two of our kids. We And what we're doing is we are measuring them each month to see how far they have grown. Now, we we missed out last month because the Lees were away. So so, uh, we're going to catch up uh, this month. And um, the parents are taking this challenge really seriously. Very seriously. Only the other day I saw Michael and Jen 
put James in a pile of manure. I saw it. And they said, grow, kid, grow. And Xavier, apparently, his parents make him sleep upside down on monkey bars to stretch him out. So then that is true. So we're going to see where they are. So uh, James, Xavier, can you make your way to the measuring chart with your parents, with your mothers? Grab the pens. I think Xavier should put his hair up and then he'd be even taller then. Have it in a bun. Okay. Oh, no, we haven't done it yet. He shrunk. Oh, no. <laughs> Is there any, any sign of growth there, Tanya? Whoa. Well done, Xavier. Centimeter. Fabulous. Okay, James. <clears throat> Let's... <laughs> Don't publish those photos on our website, Steve, will you? Because they think that we're a bit strange here at City View. How are we looking, Jen? Whoa. James, you're getting bigger, man. Fabulous. That's great. So we'll keep uh, measuring you to the end of the year. And we'll see how much you've grown physically, and that'll help us to keep that word grow in our mind. And, uh, you know, just like our kids, uh, we've been watching them grow at the same time. We've been eagerly awaiting the first flower on the plant that we grew. Do you remember when we planted the plant at the very beginning of the year? In fact, we're waiting for that flower. And in fact, we're not just waiting for a flower. We're waiting for any sign of growth in this plant. This plant must be the slowest growing plant on the planet. I have good news for you this morning. The plant has grown a little. It's, it's coming along, and we're getting there. By the end of the year, we might have a flower. But, you know, um, just like our kids and our plant, we can have periods of, of quick growth in our life. We can have growth spurts, spiritual growth spurts, you know, when almost daily we can see God moving in our lives. And we think, oh. Thank you, Lord, for being with us and trusting him more. And we're growing more. And then there are times when we barely see any growth. Our relationship with Jesus is a bit more like watching paint dry or, or watching this plant grow. You know, nothing seems to be happening. Lord, where are you? And if there's one thing that we need to learn this year, 
we need to learn that things are happening even when you can't see them happening. Something is stirring in our lives and in our relationship with God. It's just at times we can't see it. And it becomes really frustrating. And at at times like that, that's when we have to have faith. We have to have faith to just keep on keeping on. And that is tough sometimes, but don't give up. Hang in there in your lives when you don't see growth or much growth. Because one day, just like this plant, you're going to flower. And you will flower. Okay, great. Let's have a quiz. Under 18s against over 18s. Okay? Under 18s, you ready for this? First question, under 18s. Today is a special day in the Christian calendar. Anyone know what that day is called? Under 18s. What's the day today? It's a special day. Begins with... P. What do we think, under-18s? Otherwise, I'll have to refer it to the over-18s. What do we think? Close! Close! Almost! Anyone under-18s? Xavier, I heard you say it. I heard you say it just now. You said Palm Sunday, didn't you? Yes, you did. Well done. Yes, it's Palm Sunday. Okay, well done. Point to the under-18s. Over-18s, tell me what happened on Palm Sunday. Jen. Yes, now that's where we get the Passover from. Jesus entered in to Jerusalem for the final time. Okay, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And now for the bonus point, the winning one, okay, under 18s. Do you remember on Palm Sunday what the people would wave and lay down to Jesus as he, as he came in? Warren. Palm branches. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. Fantastic. Yes, palm branches. Well done, under-18s. You know far more than the over-18s here. Palm leaves, a bit like these. And you know what the tradition is in some churches on Palm Sunday? They take a palm leaf like this and make it into a cross. And what they do is that they keep that cross with them throughout the whole week to remind them of what Jesus did. Some churches do that. And guess what? We're going to be one of those churches this year. We're each of us going to make a cross out of these palm branches. And I'm going to ask my more intelligent, uh, more logical, and certainly more attractive half of my partnership to come and help me, Linda. Why don't you come? And we can give, who can help me give out some palm branches? I think we've got one for everyone. So, Chloe, can you, or Ethan, do you want to come and help? Pass them out. There you go. One to everyone. 
And then Linda is going to show us how to make a cross this morning. Oh, actually, do you want to better have a microphone, I guess? Uh, let's do this one. Oh, are you going to put it on your... Okay, you're going to stand up, yeah. All right. So wait until everyone's got one. So Trevor only asked me to do this yesterday. I'm not an expert. So she <laughs> is. I'm really hoping I get this right. Once you've got your, uh, your palm branch, and I'm going to have to kind of turn around, I think, because I can only do this the same way as you would <laughs> <laughs> back. Um, but you want to hold it horizontally. So has everybody got one that wants to make a, a cross? I haven't got one. I haven't got one. There are some spares, so just put up your thank hand. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so this is a genuine palm frond from a palm branch. If you imagine what a palm branch looks like, it, you can see it's one of these fronds. So um, it would have been exactly what would have been used in Israel at that time. But we hold it um, kind of horizontally, and then I want you to put your fingers around about the middle and, and fold it up like this so that you've got a right angle there. And kind of um, press that down so that you've got a nice fold. Okay, everybody got that? You should have a, like a 45-degree angle here. Right. Then, then with this top piece, you're going to fold it back down the back and, again, press it so that you've got a nice fold there. Okay? So we've still got a right angle. Everybody with me? And... <laughs> Then you have to bring it up the front. So you're kind of making a little square here. Yeah? And press it down. Everybody got that? <laughs> Are we doing okay? Then this yes. side, this side, the horizontal bit, you're going to fold over the top. Okay? Got that? So we're making kind of the middle of the cross here. Now, turn it over. Keep your, your thumbs on this square here so that you don't lose the folds. And if you look carefully, you've got a little pocket here. And what you have to do is to take the end and kind of weave it through. I haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> we, weave it through here and pull it tight. Gently, gently, gently. Keep pulling it. It's quite supple, but you want to pull it until it's tight. And then you've got the center of your cross. That's the difficult bit. Are we all there? <laughs> We're all there. That's the difficult bit. Okay, so all we have to do next is... Um, what do we do next? <laughs> <laughs> what we do next is take this end and bring it back through that pocket. Okay, and only bring it kind of a little way. So you've got a nice little bow there. And then back again through the pocket. So you, so that's, so that's kind of your cross. And you can cut this off eventually if it's too long. But anyway. Okay, everybody there. Okay, now turn it over. Turn what over? Turn your, turn it over. Look at it from the other side, and then. Bring this vertical piece up 
through the pocket again. And you bring it down until it looks like a cross. Okay, having trouble. <laughs> so, so you've oh. got three little bow pieces and then one piece that isn't doubled over is the length of the, the vertical piece. And you can keep these crosses, they keep, they'll keep for a whole year, they're kind of green now, but if you, if you just keep them, they'll dry out and they'll end up kind of a nice beige color. You can keep them for a whole year to remind you of what the palm branches were. Wow, how did we get on? Excellent. <clears throat> oh, yes. Very good. Thank you, Linda. That's great. Poor Linda was uh, up half the night perfecting that. <laughs> <coughs> Wonderful. Wow. Okay, so now what we need to do is to keep these crosses. So keep these crosses and, and put it somewhere visible. Maybe take it with you. Maybe put it in your car. I don't know. But uh, have it somewhere this week so that um, we can remember what Jesus has done. Because Palm Sunday is actually the start of... Uh, oh, I need to get through these. These are all the... There you go. You should have done those. There you go. So Palm Sunday is the start of what's become known as Holy Week. Holy Week. It's the week which culminates in Jesus' death and resurrection. And it all started with Palm Sunday. Now, I'm sure a lot of you know the story of Palm Sunday. Um and the week that followed. And I, I just want to remind you, and kids, will you listen carefully? And adults, because I want you to tell me if I've got anything wrong in what I'm saying about Palm Sunday and Holy Week, okay? Here's what happened. Jesus and his big army are marching towards the capital with much military force. And the mood is high and they can smell victory. And, and Jesus tells a couple of his men, go and find the mightiest, biggest white steed that you can find because I want to make a big entrance into Jerusalem in style. And so he rides into Jerusalem with this huge army behind him and he starts to whip up the crowd and he makes big rally speeches and acting the big guy and ridiculing his opponents and promising the people a stunning military victory. He and his army stay in the plushest hotels. Yes, they do. And they spend the week plotting and planning for the big battle. At the end of the week... He meets his friends for the last meal before the battle and he tells them how their power and their might and their armory is going to bring about a great victory. 
He gives them such a stirring and powerful speech that men would be willing to stand and die for the cause. And that night, they hold a big final rally in a nearby garden. They prepare for battle. And when the battle comes, the men stand firm. And Jesus fights boldly by their side and they win a stunning military victory where Jesus is killed. But he dies a hero. A hero's death on the battlefield and he goes down in history as a leader who led from the front with amazing power and might. So how did that... uh, did I, did I miss anything? Did I get anything wrong there? <laughs> everything? What do you mean everything? <laughs> yeah, see, it's, it's the complete opposite, isn't it? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Not with a huge army behind him, but with a small ragtag group of fishermen and tax collectors and other weirdos, just like us. He spent the week not spreading fear and propaganda, but trying to show and share the love of his father to people, including his enemies. His final night wasn't spent at a big rally, it was just a quiet night with his friends over a special meal. And and in the garden, he was left alone to pray. And when the enemy came, he gave himself up without a fight. Watched as one by one, his close friends deserted him. He was abused, tormented, tried for a trumped-up crime, being sentenced to death, the worst death, the most degrading death, on a cross. And it was on the cross that he died a most painful death with only his mother and a few friends there with him. It's not what we expect, is it, from the God of the the universe. But this was the only way that victory could be won, Jesus said, not through power and might and armies, but through weakness. And submission. And see, that's the true story of Holy Week. But I wonder if, if sometimes we and the world live as though the story was like the first version. You know, the way to power and victory and greatness is through might. It's by stepping on people. It's by demeaning people. It's by stamping on the weak. Using power to corrupt. You know, that's how we become great, isn't it? That's how we grow to become real men and women in this world. See, the mantra is the way to greatness is to move on up. But Jesus... And the upcoming Holy Week reminds us that the way to greatness is actually to move on down. The way to greatness is to descend. 
And in the passage we're going to look at, just very briefly, Jesus tells us that the way to, be, to greatness, the way to grow with him and in him, the way into his kingdom is to become one of these. One of those. One of these. The way to greatness is to become a child. Let me explain. Mark, if you want to follow along, we're in Mark chapter 10, and we're just going to read a couple of verses. Chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. (coughs) Here's what it says. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, no! That's not what it says here, but he said, no! Let the little children come to me. And don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. I don't know about you. When I read this scripture, I have this certain image in my mind. It's sort of like this one. You know, it's a lovely scene. It really is. It's so nice. Nice, simple scene. There's Jesus and his disciples on a sunny hillside. And he's seated on a tree stump and his disciples sitting around and he's teaching them something really fabulous, I'm sure. And in the distance you hear the sound of children's laughter. And they come skipping down the pathway to Jesus. And one of the disciples may jump up and say, no, no, no. But Jesus says, no, let them come. And they sit on his knee and they sit by his feet. Everyone's laughing and smiling and having a good old time with Uncle Jesus. Isn't it nice? But you see, there was more to it than that. You see, just before this incident, the disciples have been arguing with one another about which one of them was going to be the greatest when Jesus defeats the enemy. Who's going to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom? And Jesus asks them, what were you arguing about? And of course he knows. But they're embarrassed. And he tries to teach them that the great ones may not be the one that they expect them to be. He says, whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. And then he picks up a child and he says, whoever welcomes one such as this welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And then it's shortly after that we have this scene where people are actually bringing children to Jesus and the disciples speak sternly to them. They say, no, don't disturb Jesus. They still don't get it. And Jesus sees this and the text says that he's indignant. That's a really, really strong word. 
He's not just, he's angry. He's livid with these disciples. And Jesus says, now let them come. And, and he calls the children to him saying that the kingdom of God belongs to those who come to it like little children. Well, what's Jesus doing here? Well, he's making a point. He's doing a show and tell. Jesus loved doing that. He's illustrating to the disciples and to us how we can grow in faith. Become like a child, he says. And that would have shocked his listeners far more so than today. Because you see, back then, children weren't treated like they are today. Life did not revolve around our little bundles of joy as they do now. Children were kept out the way. There was no running around after your kid. There were no soccer practices. There was no piano lessons. Um, there was no kid's meal at McDonald's. There's no pirate packs at White Spot. In first century Jewish culture, children were hardly ever noticed. They were not seen or heard kept out the way until they hit their teens and then they were considered men and women to help around. But the kids in this story aren't teenagers. They're little toddlers. The ones that should never be seen. And you see, the disciples are so saturated in that culture and they see these kids trying to disturb Jesus and they decide to do something about it. They tell the kids along with their parents, clear off. Go away. Stop bothering Jesus. He's involved in adult business right now. <laughs> the disciples really thought they were actually doing Jesus a favor. But Jesus reminds us again and again and again, our ways are not his ways. His kingdom is not like our world. He says not only should little kids allowed to come to him, but little kids are actually what a relationship with him is all about. If you don't understand that, you've got it wrong, he says. You see, we adults need to receive Jesus like a little child, or we will not grow, and we will not be able to get into Jesus' kingdom. Now, what does he mean by this? Become like little children. Does that mean we have to become a Benjamin Button? No. You see, I used to think this meant that we need to be obedient like a child, humble like a child, listen carefully like a child. But then I had kids. LP and Zam, are you listening? <laughs> Kids are absolutely nothing like that. They're usually none of those things. Kids are often obstinate. They're stubborn. They're defiant. They're selfish. They're self-centered. And that's on a good day. So it can't mean that. So what did Jesus mean? When he said, you've got to become like a little child. 
Well, Jesus uses children as the model for us because kids don't have anything to offer. You see, they come with their empty hands to Jesus. Kids can't look back at a record of all the good deeds that they've done. Little toddlers don't do that and say, here, Jesus, look what I've done for you. Kids don't have a lot of religious trophies to offer Jesus. They can't say, here, Jesus, look how good a Christian I am. I have a smile and I come to church every Sunday. Jesus. They can't say, look at the status I have, Jesus. Look at the job I've got. Look at the car I drive. Look at the house I have. Look at how many Facebook friends I have. Kids come with nothing. Nothing. They just come as they are, snotty-nosed and a full diaper. With nothing to give. And just as important, nothing to prove. And they also come without the so-called wisdom of adults. You know, the wisdom that says, <laughs> sin it, done it, know it all. And it's that wisdom that, you noticed how more cynical you become as you get older? Being more focused on finding fault with others, maybe. And putting down others because we are so high and mighty. No, the kids, they come with an innocent wonder. With an innocence that actually sees good and joy in the simplest and yet the most important things in life. And they come with an open mind to learn. And a faith that says, this is what I believe. This is what God told me. And so I'm going to just follow and trust him. And Jesus is saying, that's how you come if you want to grow with me. If you want to find your way into my kingdom. And that is how we need to come as adults if we want to grow this year. Come as a child, humbly and joyfully with our hands empty. I got nothing to give, Jesus. That's how we come. And now, like Jesus in the passage, I'm going to do a show and tell. Because I want the wise ones to come to the front now. Kids, if you are under, if you're wise, but not in an adult way, will you come to the front? Just come to the front. It's all right. There's no, nothing to fear. Nothing to fear whatsoever. (laughs) All righty. So what I want you to do, guys, and you can either just say your name and uh, that will be good enough, or maybe there's something that you've learned about God in big life or just in life in general, and then just, just share what that is. And if you want to... Uh, talk for a while about that, that's fine. 
So, Warren, looks like you're, you're up first, man. And what do you think? One thing that you've learned about God, what do you reckon? One thing that I've learned about God is that I should not... use excuses for things I've done, I should confess my sins. That's great. Warren, that's fantastic. Thank you. There we go. You can, yeah, you can go back to your sound job one if you want. One thing I learned in big life is that the first five books of the Bible is, ta- is called the Pentateuch. Whoa. Cool. One thing I learned about God is that you need to trust and have faith in him. Jesus loves me. <laughs> God is best. God is better than me in any any possible way. And also, don't do that. <laughs> Jesus loves me. Thank you, guys. Oh, Trev, you got no? You found? You thought of one yet? No. No. Okay. All right. St- stay here a minute, because this is my show and tell. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to take the next step in your faith, he says, become like one of these. Become like one of these. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's wonderful. We, uh, we're going to be doing... Uh, taking communion, and I, I want the kids to help serve the communion in a moment. I'll call a few of them up. But um, one of the things that I love about kids is the way that they pray. Is the way that they pray. They don't have the big words. They don't have to say certain phrases. And I'm going to ask Nicholas, if, if you would mind, Nicholas, would you come up and pray for us? Would you do that? That would be absolutely wonderful because I've heard you're such a good prayer. So shall we pray then? And Nicholas will pray for us. And keep us safe through all our days through this hardly things, but keep us safe through all these frustrated times and wonderful things might happen to you so we pray God that you would keep us very safe amen amen Nicholas thank you.